It's one o'clock and time for the services from the Calvary Baptist Church of Gainesville. Now, Pastor Raymond Laddie. Get your Bibles today, if you would, and turn with me to Zechariah chapter 12. We're still looking at some prophecy, as well we should be. We'll go as the Lord leads us in these days that we're living in, as we see things unfold. But Jerusalem, if you notice, every headline, for the most part, I'd say 80% of the headlines now from every corner of the world have to do with Israel and what's going on in Israel. Every diplomatic delegation of the world is scrambling to become a part of a solution between the age-old conflict between the Jews and the Ishmaelites or the Arabs and those allied with them. For us, for example, we're sending out a man named Anthony Blinken, uh, you know, as well as others. That's got to be a tired man. He's going all over the place. He's been to Iraq. He's been to uh, Jerusalem many, many times. He's going all over the place, and he's just wringing his hands trying to avert the escalation of this war. He's talking to our partners. He has to walk a fine line between, you know, the support that we still have for Israel and their right to defend themselves and to exist as a nation, but also not to inflame the half-brother, if you will, the Ishmaelites, the Arabs, and those nations that are already very enraged by what's going on in Gaza. So he's a man that is stumbling around. He's a man that's trying to get things done. They're putting battleships in place. They're doing all those things to try to avert a wider war. Now, whether that occurs or not is up to the Lord, our sovereign God. I think it will probably escalate to an extent. But we're seeing these things, and the focal point of it all is Jerusalem. The focal point of the world right now is Jerusalem. That's where Netanyahu is. That's where the leadership of Israel is, who says no ceasefire. You know, the world is pressuring them. More and more of the world is turning against them. Jerusalem is a very, very weighty burden for the world. And the reason that is is because Jerusalem is God's. The reason that is is because ancient prophecies that are eternal and have been revealed to us and will continue to fall into place and be revealed are coming to pass. It's God's plan. That's his city. That's his, his chosen people to bring in a Messiah. That's why the prophet Zechariah tells us an oracle. Pick up with me in the 12th chapter of the prophet of Zechariah, one of the minor prophets, chapter 12, verse 1. This is the word of the Lord concerning Israel. The Lord who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundation of the earth, and who forms the spirit of man within him, declares, I am going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling and we can picture a drunken man there who's had too much to drink he's trying to to uh drink away his problems if you will and it sends him reeling goes on to say judah will be besieged as well as jerusalem on that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her i will make jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations all who try to move it will injure themselves. And we saw that sometimes these men who take part in this Atlas competition 
are, are horribly injured. Those things will fall back on them. They'll land on their legs. Uh, they, they, many of them are great, and they move them all, but for some reason, that one on the front left this day was hard to move. It was immovable. That's Jerusalem, and no matter what might comes against Jerusalem, God has his hand on that city, on that town. God has his hands on that people. It's happening just exactly as he allows it to based on his will, his sovereignty, and his purposes. But Jerusalem is his. So we have our delegations struggling with it. They're trying to come up with a two-state solution, you know, which will never work. That's what, that will never work. That will just equal more war. The only way for this to be resolved is going to be by the Antichrist when he comes up with a peace plan that will deceive many. And he will go to the temple and set himself up as God. That's during the tribulation. But Jerusalem is a burdensome stone for all the nations. You look at, it doesn't seem like we were as perplexed, you know, with Ukraine or, or Russia, which there's perplexity there, like we are in the Middle East. All the other nations have forgotten pretty much Ukraine and Russia and the focal point is on Jerusalem. God is doing that, as he said he would, for the last days. Overnight, within hours, he drew the focus back to Jerusalem because that's where his focus is. That's where the coming uh, Christ will reign from, the Messiah during the Messianic kingdom uh, later on. So that tells me a lot of things, that I should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I should support the Jewish people, as we've already said. But it means everything to me because I am the new Jerusalem. I am born again. I will be a citizen in the new Jerusalem. I will exist forever because of God who sent Jesus to die for me on the cross. Everything that he prophesied and said is right on schedule. So I want to be ready, and I want you to be ready. It says, all who try to move it will injure themselves. So far, we've pretty much stayed on the side of the Israelis during this conflict. I believe that will begin to wane. I do believe that God has raised up a man for such a time as this, to re-energize uh, support for Israel in the Republican Party as the new Speaker of the House. He seems to be a very devout Christian man. Time will tell, but we should pray for him and their efforts to support. But on the other hand, we have probably half or three-quarters of the nation that is now anti-Israel. Most of them have no idea why we talked about that. Hopefully we know why we are pro-Israel. Hopefully we know why that... Uh, it has to be defended, and we need to pray for those people and pray uh, for their redemption. But he goes on to say, all who try to move it will injure themselves. You look at the nations down through history who have tried, who have dealt with Jerusalem, whether it be the Crusaders, whether it be the Arabs in the old days, whether it be the, uh, the British during the, the days of the, the, uh, the, the Palatinate there. They've all gone by the wayside. Jerusalem still exists. There's been sieges by the Romans and sieges by the Babylonians, and yeah, there was devastation, but yet that plot of ground where the Temple Mount, uh, where the Temple will be rebuilt on the Temple Mount still 
exists and is there and now it's been given back to the Jewish people while the rest of the world attacks and is going to try to take it. You see, we're living in prophetic times. I see Jerusalem here as being a almost a, um, a picture of the church. The, how the church has been besieged down through the centuries and it seems like our church recently has been besieged by death and by sickness and by financial challenges. But guess what? This church has been here how long? A long time. 120, 130 years. It's been a long time. Yet, if God's hand is on it for a purpose, we will remain. It's not by our hands. It's not because we had family who was devout and committed, and, and that's wonderful. We should honor them and think about them and follow their example. The only reason we're still here and we still exist through all the, the, the fiery arrows lobbed by Satan and his minions is because the grace and mercy and the power of God through Jesus Christ. That's the only reason we're here and have been here for that long. And if we continue to abide in him, we will remain. Jerusalem will remain because God has a purpose for Jerusalem. Let's read on just a little bit, some descriptive language. On that day I will strike every horse with panic and its rider with madness when they come against the city of Jerusalem, declares the Lord. I will keep a watchful eye over the house of Judah, but I will blind all the horses of the nations. Then the leaders of Judah will say in their hearts, the people of Jerusalem are strong because the Lord Almighty is their God. Why is Jerusalem important? Why are his people important? Whether they be his chosen people or whether they be his adopted people through our faith in Jesus? Because he chose them. We are his possession. We are more valuable to him than the stars in the sky. Even though there's trillions of them and he has named them. We are his if we are in Christ. We are his, and he's jealous of us. And he will deliver us and keep us for eternity in a place called heaven. So it doesn't matter what technologies come against Jerusalem. It doesn't matter what uh, new AI or, or digital warfare comes along. God has the ability and the, and the power to turn it all off in the blink of an eye, to cripple those signals when they come against Jerusalem. God has the ability to cause invading armies that are strong and united to fight among themselves because the city is his. Those people are his. And yes, they will suffer and many of them die without knowing Jesus and his tragic yet many of them will be redeemed. Many of them, when things play out completely, will come to Jesus and be saved. Because he's made promises. He takes terrible things and bad things and makes good, brings good from it. That's what God does, and he should be glorified for that. On that day, in verse 6, I will make the leaders of Judah like a fire pot in a wood pile, like a flaming torch among sheaves. They will consume right and left all the surrounding peoples, but Jerusalem will remain intact. In her place. The Lord will save the dwellings of Judah first, so that the honor of the house of David, remember the kingdom promised through David, and then the line of David in Christ, and of the Jerusalem's inhabitants, may not be greater than that of Judah. 
On that day the Lord will shill those who live in Jerusalem, so that the feeblest among them will be like David, and the house of David will be like God, like the angel of the Lord going before them. On that day I will set out to destroy all the nations that attack Jerusalem for a purpose. And in verse 10, I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. My goodness, isn't our God and Jesus Christ graceful and merciful and generous? It says that they will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child. And grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. On that day, the weeping in Jerusalem will be great. Like the weeping of Hadad Rimmon in the plain of Megiddo. The land will mourn. Each clan by itself with their wives by themselves. The clan of the house of David and their wives. The clan of the house of Nathan and their wives. The clan of the house of Levi and their wives. The clan of Shammai and their wives. And all the rest of the clans and their wives. They will mourn because they will realize the error of their disbelief. They will realize that heaven itself or himself, that God himself walked among them in their previous generations and was dishonored and did not believe and they will mourn. You can imagine what a deep mourning that will be when they realize all the generations that suffered, all those who perished without knowing Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, if a Jewish person, a Jewish individual, a precious Jewish individual dies without Christ, they don't go to heaven. They don't make it. Just as if we die without Jesus, we will never see heaven, but we will see hell. But thanks and honor and glory be to God that many of them will be saved because God will release again that grace and that spirit of supplication and they will look on him and see him for who he is and it will cause them to grieve bitterly because of what could have been. What could have been. You know, I, I thought about that and people who willingly turn away from God and go their own way in sin and they have warnings and they have people that love on them and try to tell them the truth and try to turn them around and God tries to get their attention but yet they keep doing their own thing. They keep doing their own thing. They're so self-centered. They keep doing their own thing. It must be something. Hopefully they come to know Jesus but what a thing to mourn. What a thing to mourn if they don't come to Christ or they totally throw their lives away and look back on their lives and realize the waste. How worthless it all is without Jesus. I'm telling you here today, anything any, without Jesus and Jesus in it, without trying to live for him and to follow him and learn from him and, and allow him to forgive you and dust you off when you do fall and to learn and move forward, it doesn't matter. You see, it's all about him. And we need to pray for those that are sprinting toward hell, 
Let's be honest. They're sprinting toward hell as hard as they can go. And they don't care. They don't care. They could care less. We need to pray for them and pray that we might find ourselves in their way one more time to turn them back toward salvation. You see, that's something to mourn if you know somebody that's lost. If you know someone who's not right with the Lord in this day and time, in this day and time, that's something to grieve over. That's something to, 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 to take seriously. We take a lot of trivial things a lot more seriously than we take that. We should mourn people because really they're dead. They're walking and their heart's beating, but really they're dead. You see, I'm new Jerusalem. It's a place and a people. People say, well, it's got to be one or the other. It's a place and the people, you see, I will live in this new Jerusalem because of the promises God made to and through the first Jerusalem, the old Jerusalem, and who walked there and who lived there and who died there on a cross. You see, they, they were mourning for him because they turned away. We should mourn those who don't know Christ and should pray for them. And then we should celebrate in the same way those who do come to Jesus. On that day in verse 1 of chapter 13, a fountain will be opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. On that day, God says, I will banish the names of the idols from the land and they will be remembered no more, declares the Lord Almighty. I will remove both the prophets and the spirit of impurity from the land. And if anyone still prophesies, his father and mother to whom he was born will say to him, you must die because you have told lies in the Lord's name. When he prophesies, his own parents will stab him. On that day, every prophet will be ashamed of his prophetic vision. He will not put on a prophet's garment in order to deceive. God's going to take care of all those who do it for all the wrong reasons or tell falsehoods that are contrary to the Lord's word. He will say, I'm not a prophet, I'm a farmer. The land has been my livelihood since my youth. If someone asks him, what are those wounds on your body? He will answer the wounds I was given at the, in the house of my friends. This is Christ here that will reveal himself as the Savior who died on the cross and who, was, uh, who people were disobedient toward. I want to turn over here as we move on from Zechariah to some things that are yet to come in, in Revelation chapter 21. I want to talk a little bit about the new Jerusalem. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Because Jerusalem is God's and it's an immovable stone and those who try to move it or try to uh, go against it or to manipulate it for their own gain or to do away with it because they don't agree with God's word or don't agree that those people are God's people and the land is theirs will be dealt with harshly. That was the promise made to and through Abraham to bless those who bless them and to curse those who curse them. But there's also a new Jerusalem. You see, if Jerusalem is a picture of the church, a stronghold, a Zion, a remnant, if you will, of God's people, ground that God has literally uh, fought and died for through Jesus Christ, 
and has ransomed, uh, ransomed us back to that, then the church could be added in as a symbol of that. If we are Jerusalem, then we'll be besieged in our lives. If we are Jerusalem as, a, as the church, not to take the, the place of, of Israel, but to be spiritual Israel, if you will, the devil will come against us and try to move us. That's what's happening today. I think what's happening is many of those who are not truly in Christ have been moved because they were not in the rock or anchored by the rock to begin with. That may be pretty harsh to say, but I believe that to be the case. Sometimes they're not of us if we're saved and we're born again. You see, Satan will besiege us in many different clever, deceitful ways. He'll do it through discouragement. He'll do it through just the world is too busy and I'm too busy. I can't do it anymore. He'll do it through scandal. He'll do it through petty things. He'll besiege to try to thin out the ranks. But there are always that remnant, the true followers and believers in God. Now, people make mistakes and people stray, but yet I don't understand many times people never go back to the Lord and say, you know, it's a, there's a, something bigger going on here. It's not about me and just this little thing. It's the kingdom and it's, other people. It's not just about me. We make it about us so many times, don't we? If we're the new Jerusalem, then we have a wonderful place to look forward to. But we'll be besieged in the meantime in this life. We need to always look to the Lord, and we need to always trust him and look for direction. Moving down, let's go, I'm sorry, to Revelation chapter 21, the new Jerusalem. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. What we know now around us, the things of the earth, the creation, things, money, possessions, all those things are going to pass away. I think most of us know that. are going to pass away and become worthless. The only thing that's going to be worth anything is where we're at in Jesus if we're born again. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. It's a sinful heaven and earth that had to be dealt with. And there was a no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, How the dwelling of God is with men. We were meant to dwell and walk and commune with God in person. That's what Adam did. By sin, now we're separated, but yet we have the Holy Spirit to comfort us and to guide us and to lead us and to point us in the right direction until we're reunited again with God in the new Jerusalem and we walk with him again and dwell with him again here. They will be his people. That's the new Jerusalem. That's us, a people and a place. And I heard a loud voice from the, saying, uh, from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things 
has passed away. It ain't going to last forever. The order of things now that are so corrupt and so heartbreaking for us as Christians and so hard to, to, to fathom and deal with, the sin, the separation, the tears are going to be gone forever. Now, wonderful. Because of what God did through the capital city of the people that he chose, a man born in Bethlehem who was God who walked among us and who went to the cross. He made all this possible. God, in the pouring out of his grace and his supplication and in the pouring out of life and forgiveness and mercy, has made this available to us. I, I got to read on here. This is, this is. I, I, I never get enough of reading this. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. Let's go to verse five. He who was seated on the throne said, "I am making everything new." That sound wonderful? New. No more death. No more rust. No more moth that eats things up. No more destroyed families. No more sin. He's making these things new within us, in the creation, in the world, in the universe. All things he is making new. Going on down. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. When he tells you that, every dot and tittle is perfect. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving in Jesus, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, that's all around us these days, by the way, the idolaters and all the liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven plagues came and said to me, Come, and I will show you the bride and the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me in the way to a spirit, to a mountain great and high, and showed me the holy city. This is the new Jerusalem. Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. It's modeled here, just to kind of divert a little bit, like the old city of Jerusalem, 12 gates. But it's the new. It's all been made new here. This is the new eternal city, the new Jerusalem. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city have 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. You see, the 12 tribes named here on these 12 gates were the foundation by which God redeemed you through the prophets, 
through the nation that came about as Israel, that came from the 12 tribes, from the kings who ruled, from the territory taken, from the promises God made and fulfilled through them, leading all the way up to Jesus Christ, pointing to him. Now we're looking back at him. Now we're looking for his coming. Now we're expecting him at every any moment. He said all this has been done. Time just has to fulfill itself. He's saying, I'm coming. This is done. It is over. The end. Be ready. And I want to skip on down. Verse 22, I did not see a temple in the city because of the Lord of God Almighty and the Lamb or its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light. You see, in every nation today, you have a remnant. The gospel's gone out almost all over the world, which is a sign of the, the, the rapture. Every nation has a remnant, and every nation is going to be represented in this new Jerusalem. Every nation has a remnant. There's a remnant in Iran. There's a remnant... I believe in all the Arab countries, they're underground, they're secret, they have to be like the early Christians were. There are a huge number of Christians in China. There are huge numbers of Christians in Russia. There are huge numbers of Christians, of course, in America. There are huge numbers of Christians in Siberia. God knows every name, every individual, and for them, because of his love through them, through Jesus Christ, he's making all things new for them. Thank you so much for listening to the services from Calvary Baptist Church. To hear more of this sermon or other past services, please visit our website, calvarybcgainesville.org. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia.